This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. Uh, at the beginning of the interview, you said one of the um, originating factors of your interest in this area was about access to the NDIS. So what did you find um, about the NDIS? Yeah, so I'm quite interested in NDIS implementation and especially how the NDIS uh, interfaces with mainstream services. And so I guess the answer to your question, um, we found is technically, yes, a little bit, they can get NDIS access, but mostly no. Um, So your listeners probably know a fair bit about the NDIS already, but essentially it's a specialist um, service or a way to access specialist disability services. and, And these are supposed to interface with mainstream services. And there are rules about what the NDIS is supposed to cover and what the mainstream services are supposed to cover. And the mainstream services, um, the criminal justice system being one of those, they're supposed to make reasonable adjustments so that people with disability can access them. And so you get kind of a seamless service experience from your, you know, your mainstream services and your specialist services. But there's often a problem with this interface, and there certainly is in the case of prisons. So basically, when they're in prison, um, people, the, the justice system is supposed to be responsible for the day-to-day needs of people with disability. And as Shannon said, Um, those services provided by prisons aren't great. So people who might get pretty good disability services on the outside, if they have a well-functioning NDIS plan, they when they go into prison, they get nothing close to that inside. Um, and the rules say that the NDIS funds um, reasonable and necessary supports that aren't the responsibility of the justice system and that it's appropriate for the NDIS to provide, which is basically as clear as mud. But um, Some examples are things like some kinds of assistive technology the NDIS will provide in prison, um, for example, a wheelchair or hearing aids. They will provide staff training related to supporting your disability and um, I guess most importantly, capacity building for the purposes of transitioning out of prison. Um, so six months before you get out, you're uh, supposed to be able to start accessing planning and supports for transitioning back to the community, like getting a support coordinator in or getting occupational therapy assessments or speech therapy or doing some rapport building with support workers who will be working with you on the outside. But the justice system gets to decide what supports can be provided. So the prison that you're in gets to say who can come in and provide services or not. So that's the policy anyway. but. Uh, because the policy is so unclear and the implementation is patchy, um, what we found in our research is that there's a lot of confusion among people who actually work in this area, who work in the intersection of disability and prison and criminal justice. So you get groups of people who have no idea what's allowed or what's possible. And then you have some people who say, no, you can't get any NDIS services in prison. Uh, your plan just pauses until they let you out. And by the way, there's often a long delay in getting these services reinstated, even after someone gets out. And then some people that we interviewed did know what's supposed to be allowed. Some people had managed to organize supports for people in prison, but even they say it's really hard and often just doesn't work at all because there's just so much coordination required. You've got to coordinate between the person with disability who's supposed to be picking the services, the prison staff and prison management, the NDIS, various sections of the NDIS and the service providers. And there are just so many opportunities for coordination between all these parties to go wrong. And um, I guess I'll just finish by saying one of the interesting barriers we came across was that the NDIS 
only funds services related to disability needs and not criminogenic needs. So the um, criminal justice system is supposed to fund services related to criminogenic needs, which is, um, I guess, uh, uh, services that Shannon would know <laughs> better than I do, but it's services related to um, uh, getting you to cease offending behaviour, basically. But our participants told us that it's often impossible to disentangle what's a disability need and what's a criminogenic need, especially if you've got, um, I guess, behaviours of concern is what they call it, that come that are related to mental um, ill health or to intellectual disability. So how you separate those things for the purposes of deciding who funds something is beyond me and is often beyond the people who are trying to organise these services. With this high rates of acquired brain injuries and intellectual disabilities in prison, do you think that there's some point earlier in the stage of, of uh, being prosecuted, going to trial and all that, where this should have been assessed? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> and in terms of the kind of, you know, recommendations that we have, one of the big issues that we wanted to highlight is that we do need to be critical of the fact that it seems like many people are being criminalised as a direct result of their disability. Mm. Uh, we know that there are insufficient supports within the community. And so often uh, because of that, people are finding themselves becoming kind of enmeshed or thrown into the justice system. So certainly that is a starting point that we need to be quite critical of uh, in terms of why are so many people with disability ending up incarcerated uh, and what systems are failing prior to that point, including, you know, uh, services within the community to help to prevent that from occurring in the first place. So that's certainly a really big issue. Um, could you comment also further um, perhaps about when, when people in the future perhaps could access the NDIS, whether um, that would serve as something as, as a preventing reoffending, or would you would you see that more as uh, people accessing their rights to support, or both? <laughs> well, it's certainly um, it's certainly part of the picture, but I guess the thing with the NDIS is that um, it's only supposed to be supporting a certain group of people with disability, what, what is referred to as um, tier three or, you know, people with the highest support needs. And currently that's about 12% of people with disability in Australia. So it was only ever going to support a very small subset of people with disability. And there are lots, there are people with lots of things that um, I guess would be called disabilities that um, aren't available for NDIS support or aren't eligible for NDIS support. So for example, we came across People were talking about the fact that probably a lot of people in the prison system um, have undiagnosed ADHD, diagnosed or undiagnosed ADHD, and that's not the kind of thing that's eligible for NDIS support. So, yes, certainly the NDIS is part of the picture, and one of the problems with the NDIS is that it is often the most difficult to use for the people who need it the most. I think there's a there's a word. It's like the inverse care law or something. <laughs> Services are hardest to access for the people who need them the most. And uh, you know, I've done a fair bit of research on the NDIS, and it's generally considered to be you know, very difficult to access, um, very bureaucratic, difficult to understand, difficult to learn how to use, even for people who are quite privileged and well educated and have a lot of community support already. So um, making the NDIS easier to access and easier to use for the 
small subset of people who would be eligible to access it is very important. And that would certainly prevent um, offending in the first place for some people and then reoffending and reincarceration for mm. some people. But there just needs to be a lot more community support in general. And there's this, I guess, tier two is um, the other group of people with disability who were in under the original conception of the NDIS supposed to be supported under the NDIS model, supported to better access services in the community. And that's the group that's kind of got lost under the way that the NDIS has been implemented. And certainly with the new government coming in, there's been a hope that there'll be more attention paid to this tier two, this large group of people in the middle who need services but aren't eligible to access um, funded services through the NDIS, but they can be supported to access more services in the community that will hopefully keep them out of contact with the criminal justice system. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.